Good morning again. So I was out in my car and I was listening to the radio and the host of a certain talk show said something really interesting. He said, if you tell me that you believe in God, that really doesn't tell me much about you. But if you tell me that you believe in a divine text, that's different. And at the time I thought that's a pretty interesting take, but the more I looked into it, the more I realized that research backs that up. There are numerous studies in which the majority of, the Amer of Americans have said they identify as Christians. But according to the Barna Research Group, only 5% of us here in the U.S. approach life through a biblical lens. Last week, we launched a brand new series where we're going to explore this one-of-a-kind book. And this week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Bible's backstory and I think that's really, really important because there's an origin story about the Bible that is being passed around a lot. You may have heard it in college. You may have heard it online. Um, if you read the Da Vinci Code, this is how they put it through one of their characters. They say this, the Bible as we know it today was collated by the pagan Roman emperor, Constantine the Great. Now I've come across a whole lot of people that have been taught that the books that make up the Bible weren't considered scripture until the fourth century. And that's just not true. We have a lot to cover again this morning, so we're gonna dive right in. And if you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Our biblical canon has a one of a kind backstory. If you wanna understand how the Bible became the Bible, you're gonna come across the word canon. And if you're like most people, when you hear the word canon, what do you think of? You think of one of these. Now, this kind of canon right over here, this is spelled with two N's. The kind of canon that we're talking about with the Bible is spelled with one N. Canon with one N comes from the Greek word meaning rule, as in rule of life or way of living or laws or principles or standards that you apply to your decision making. Canon, with one N, can also refer to a collection that is accepted as true. There's a whole lot of video games, there's a whole lot of movies where they have lore associated with them. What the canon would be, would be the lore that the creators say is true. That's canon. All right, so I want to give you a heads up here as we try to explore the Bible canon. The Bible's canon, the the rule of life that the Bible testifies to, and the books that are authorized that uh, make up the biblical, uh, the, the Bible as we know it. All right, so I want to give you a heads up as we do this. I tried for years to nail down exactly when and exactly how the canon became the canon. And the more I researched, the more I found there was yet more to learn. It is not an exaggeration to say that a lifetime is not long enough to discover all there is to know about the Bible's backstory. That history is so rich and it's so multifaceted. It's a story that takes place over the course of thousands of years and multiple continents and just about every tongue and tribe and nation. Were Constantine and St. Jerome and Latin translations and the fourth century part of that story? Yeah. And is there a lot more to the story than that? Yeah. It's kind of like this. 
Mount Everest, heard of Mount Everest, right? Mount Everest was declared the highest mountain peak in the world in the 19th century. What was the highest mountain peak in the world in the 18th century? Mount Everest. What was the highest mountain peak in the world in the 17th century? Mount Everest. 16th century, Mount Everest. 15th century, Mount Everest. Simply declaring that Mount Everest is the highest peak in the 19th century doesn't mean that it wasn't the highest peak centuries before. The documents that are included in the Bible, they were set apart as sacred long before the fourth century, way before the time of Constantine. With the little time that we've got left, here is a ridiculously compressed outline of the Bible's backstory. Let's start with the Old Testament, then we'll move on to the New Testament. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. How did the Old Testament canon come to be? First of all, God spoke through people. Here's an example of that from the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1.28, and God said to them. The God of the Bible is a God who speaks and a God who acts. And from the earliest of times, his people began recording his words and recording his actions for future generations. And I invite you to write this down too. Credible witnesses began recording God's words and his deeds very, very early. There's a popular misconception that most of the Old Testament was handed down by what's called oral tradition, meaning it was passed down from generation to generation to generation verbally. Now, oral tradition back in the day was very important, but it's not that simple. Here's how one of my sources put it. All the cultures which produced the Old and the New Testaments were literate cultures. Not in the sense that literacy was very widespread, but there was a large elite group of people who were highly literate. They produced sophisticated writing for their contemporaries to read. Much of the Old Testament comes from us or comes to us from the hands of such people and is of a high order of literary excellence. Here's an example where the Bible testifies to this. You can find this in Exodus 24, 4, where we read, Moses wrote down the words of the Lord. Now, all these writings that all these people were doing in ancient times weren't considered equal, which brings us to our next bullet point. Some documents were recognized as sacred almost immediately. Let's take a look at the example that we reference in your notes. If you have your Bible with you, please open me with me to 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 2, where we find this. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And jumping ahead a little bit, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in all the way of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. All right, if you, this is one of the reasons I, I really appreciate this passage and, and where we're going to go here, is it talks about the character of Josiah. And one of the things that I've certainly seen 
is that, and certainly believe, is that you're much more likely to recognize God's word as God's word when there's a willingness to live your life under it. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to fast forward 18 years in time to verse 8. So let's pick back up there. And by this point in history, which again is more than a thousand years before Constantine, there was already a collection of writings that were considered sacred. They were placed in the temple, but they had been neglected until this happens, until one day. Uh, 2 Kings 22.8. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. All right. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, the high priest rediscovered a collection of sacred texts. And where did he find them? He found them in the house of the Lord. Now watch this. The scriptures were in the place where they should have been. They were in the right place, but they were being neglected. The reason I'm calling that out is because I think about my own life and I think about the number of seasons, and there's been a lot of them, the number of seasons where my Bible was right in the right place. It was right there on my nightstand. It was right there on my bookshelf. It was right there in my office, but it was being neglected. Can you relate to that at all? All right, let's go to verses uh, 10 and 11. Here we go. All right. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king after Hilkiah said, hey, I found these, this collection of, of books. The secretary told the, king, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now look at this. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. He tore his clothes. This is significant too. Throughout the century, throughout the centuries, people have used objective criteria when they vetted scripture to decide, you know, and determine which are the sacred writings. And some of the objective things they've done are ask questions like, who wrote this? When was it written? Is it consistent with the rest of canon? So there is this whole set, as you study where the Bible came from, there's this whole set of objective questions that people applied. But there was even more than that too. These are the documents, the ones we find in the Bible. These are the documents that spoke to God's people. Josiah was a God seeker. And what happened when he, when he heard these words, he tore his clothes. He was like, this is the word of God and we've been neglecting it right? These documents, the ones we find in scripture, these are the ones that have spoke to sincere God seekers with an authority that no stories, no narratives, no letters, no poems, no other literature had. Josiah wanted his life rule to be let God rule. And when a person like that reads these words, they have a different weight. These words have a different weight than all other documents. Many centuries later, the author of the book of Hebrews put it like this. This is from Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In the ancient world, new wasn't always considered improved. People were far more impressed with ideas that have stood the test of time. One of my sources summed it up like this. Long acceptance was nearly 
everything in the formation of the Bible. Why am I telling you that? Because the words that are included in the Bible, these are the words that have spoken to God's people from generation to generation to generation, like no other words in history. These are the words that spoke to those who are willing to be beaten and imprisoned and thrown to lions. They weren't holding fast to the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Judas. They were reading and quoting words that are in our canon. Okay, so there we go. There's a ridiculously concise summary of how the Old Testament came to be. God spoke to people. People started writing down what God did and said uh, very early on. And then some of these documents with these writings were recognized as sacred almost immediately. It's important to know then, when it comes to the Old Testament, by the time of Jesus, all of the books that we now find in our Old Testament canon, all of those were recognized as sacred. So now what we're going to do, let's turn our attention to the New Testament. And as we do, I encourage you to write this down. The Old Testament laid the foundation for the New. I just started rereading Acts. You know, with all the craziness right now that the people of God are facing, what I wanted to do is I wanted to reconnect. I shouldn't say wanted. What I want to do right now is to reconnect with this early church. And one of the things that popped out at me right away, right away, chapters one and two especially, is how these these people of, of, of God, this newly forming church, they are quoting scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. Look it up for yourself. Acts one and two, this early church. They were recognizing that these things that had been foretold in this Old Testament canon were now being fulfilled in their day. We created a place where you can go and find a bunch of great resources uh, that'll help you understand the Bible better. You can find that list at emmanuel.church slash the word. And one of the books you're going to find in there is one of my favorites. I forgot to bring it here with me. Um, it's this kid's book. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And one of the reasons we recommend that, and one of the reasons I'm bringing it up right now, is that book does such a great job of seeing and, and showing how Jesus was foretold all throughout the Old Testament canon. The Old Testament, it testifies to a new covenant that was yet to come. And it only makes sense then that the canon, which at that time were just the books we would call the Old Testament, that it would continue to grow and grow and grow as those things that were foretold came to pass. Here's how the ESV Study Bible puts it. When the promised Messiah came, a new and generous outpouring of divine revelation necessarily ensued. All right. There's a few things worth noting about this New Testament canon. And I encourage you to write this down. The documents that are included in the New Testament canon, they were written within a generation of Jesus. Several of these documents even include eyewitness testimony. This is from an ancient letter that we call 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 16. And it says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were what? Eyewitnesses of his majesty. 
This next fact is worth writing down too. The books that comprise the New Testament canon, they were affirmed as sacred almost immediately. Early church leaders, they quoted the New Testament documents so much that 90% of the New Testament can be reconstructed just from their quotes. And take a look at this. This is Peter, as in disciple of Jesus Peter, writing about Paul's letters, which are a part of our canon. Our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other what? The other scriptures. Peter refers to Paul's word as scripture. Peter puts Paul's words on par with the sacred texts. Wow. Now this letter that I just read from, it is dated between 64 and 67 AD. If it's true that that dating is correct, then there are documents like Paul's letters, like these letters also that Peter wrote, that are considered scripture. They were considered scripture within 30 years of Jesus' death and resurrection. I want to pause right now and say, hey, if you're a teenager, if you're in college, and you have a teacher, you have a professor that's giving you a different narrative, and they're saying, hey, the Bible wasn't recognized as sacred until the fourth century, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to fact check that. And don't just fact check with the, uh, with the resources that they tell you to fact check in. Look at those, but compare them to others as well. All right, these documents, you guys, the ones found in our Bible, they were affirmed by the people who are in the best position to know whether or not these authors should be trusted. All right, well, as we begin to bring our time together to a close, let's quickly recap. How did we get the Bible? God spoke to people. Credible witnesses began writing these things down very, very early. All of the documents in our Old Testament were recognized as scripture by the time of Jesus. And the documents that are in our New Testament canon, they were set apart as scripture and as sacred almost immediately. Leaders in the Eastern Church and the Western Church, Christians in Africa and Europe and Asia, despite their cultural differences, their language differences, the contextual differences, they rallied around these words like no other words in history. If you want to understand Christianity, this right here, this is your canon. And let me add two final thoughts. Final thought number one, the God of the Bible doesn't just speak to a select few. Our Bible was written by multiple authors from a wide range of backgrounds in three different languages on three different continents over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years. The God of the Bible, he doesn't just speak to a few people. And that leads to thought number two. The canon, this canon helps the people of God recognize and discern his voice today. In this series, we're not simply inviting you to read documents that are 2,000, 3,000 years old. We are inviting you to open yourself 
up to a living God who still speaks today. He speaks to us through these words and because we have these words, we can use these words as a standard, as a rule, as a filter through which all these other words where, where God may or may not still be speaking, we can pull them up and against this section, these sacred texts right there, this standard. Let me close with this story. Several years ago, I was in Mexico for a, for a meeting, a board meeting, and, and my friends there in Mexico uh, at this children's home, they, had, they were entering into and had just come out of this really challenging, challenging time. And as they were looking towards the future and as they were starting to galvanize themselves around this vision to say, we are going to do everything we can to care for these kids on this hill, one of them said a phrase in Spanish. And when, when, that, when he said that phrase, they all kind of looked at each other and they all kind of smiled and they all kind of nodded. I'm like, you must have said something significant. So I said, can you translate what you just said? And he said the translation is at the foot of the cannon. I'm like, what does that mean? He says it's a military term we have here in, in Mexico. He said it's 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 you are it's like you're at, you've got this loaded cannon and you got it pointed. You are locked and loaded and you're ready to go. You're ready to fire this thing. Hmm. We're facing a lot of challenges, aren't we? I don't know too many people right now who aren't. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the time that you discover or rediscover this collection of documents that's like no other. And chances are there's one that's pretty accessible to you. It's probably in the right place, but maybe you just haven't picked it up for too long. Maybe this is the year that you can discover what can happen when you position yourself at the foot of the cannon. Let's pray. Father, I feel so inadequate right now because your story about your word, it is so rich. It is so multifaceted and it involves so many incredible stories of people who sacrificed so much to get this into our hands and people who were so innovative, utilizing and even creating new technologies to get this word to every corner of the world. Father, while I... Well, I can't share all of that. Father, I pray that, that your Holy Spirit speaks right now to hearts and minds. And you help us to recognize these words for what they are, your words. And Father, I pray that these words could be used by you to speak to people as we need you so much right now to lead and guide us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.